Want to welcome in Justin Thind. Does a tremendous job with Michigan State football recruiting for 24-7 sports. Spartan Tailgate Premium site and also covering the Spartans this year for the Athletic Detroit. Justin, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Jack. Good to be back. All right, I'll start with the easy question. You are Mel Tucker. You have to deliver win number three in a row over the Michigan Wolverines. How do you do that without putting six pounds of X-Lax into the Wolverines' uh, breakfast muffins? Um, well, I'm going to take advantage of having got uh, some good uh, safety health this week, finally, for the first time all year. Um, and um, ideally, one of those guys can play down in the, um, in the box. Uh, I think either of those guys have that ability. I would probably go to Kendall Brooks. Um, he's going to be able to um, provide some better run support than Michigan State has gotten from the safety position in a while. Mm-hmm. And then after after I prioritize stopping the run and kind of ideally having J.J. McCarthy um, beat you with his arm, which they haven't cut him loose this year. I think he has some good talent, but I don't think yeah. he's um, averaging anything more than 204 yards per game in the Big Ten. And um, he's kind of been a Jimmy Garoppolo type, which, as you've seen, can lead you to a Super Bowl, so nothing to, nothing to sneeze at. But at the same time, I think the priority has to be load the box and um, get some run, run stuffing in there, hopefully, and then uh, have J.J. beat you on offense. I think um, even though people don't want to hear this, I think they're going to have to be balanced just to open up the passing game. And then ideally you can get some one-on-one matchups on the edges for Keon and Jaden Reed. And um, then maybe you can hit some big plays over there due to mixing in the run and keeping them honest. And um, ideally, you can also finally have some tight end contributions because so far this season, I think other than the Washington game where um, Barker had, I think, nine or ten targets, they haven't really gone to the tight ends as much as some of us expected, myself included. But Michigan's linebackers, while they've done the job, uh, they have been inconsistent. Um, and I think that's the place where they can take some advantage. So that's what I would do. I would stop, try to stop the run, have J.J. try to beat them, and then on offense I would get the ball to uh, the tight ends and receivers after mixing in more runs than probably most fans would like. Well, if you mix in two, that's more than most fans would like. <laughs> that's uh, right. How many times do you think Michigan State will or should call a first down run between the tackles? Um, if they do, I'd like to see Elijah Collins get get a higher carry share than he's gotten in most games this year. I think um, he will get every single yard that is blocked for. I don't think I can say that about Berger and Broussard, even though I do think um, those guys aren't as bad as they've been made out to be, but I also think they're part of the problem of why the running game has struggled, not just the offensive line, because sometimes if you watch the tape over, there are some holes those guys miss, and I don't think Collins will. Um, so, yeah, I guess I don't have an answer to your question in terms of a number, but I would like to see them um, use Collins there on first and ten. I think they'll, they'll have quite a few second and six, second and five situations if they do so. Really? Okay. Uh, I'm not convinced that the Michigan State offensive line can produce four- and five-yard carries on first down, but uh, I've been surprised. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, – Michigan State and what the challenge ahead to be bowl eligible, all right? At three and four, they have home games with Rutgers and Indiana. 
let's say for a minute that they win those games, and nothing is guaranteed. We've seen this team is capable of losing any game. Right. But let's say they win those games. So that gives them five. That means they need to get a win in Ann Arbor, in Champaign, Illinois, against the once-beaten Fighting Illini, or in Senior Day in Happy Valley. Can you give me a percent chance, zero to 100, uh, in each of those three games, what percent chance do you give Michigan State of winning Saturday night? Um, Saturday night, I'll say 35%. I know that's much higher than the Whoa. metrics. I think the metrics Did you say 35 say, That is the highest I've heard from anyone outside yep. uh, the Scandalera Center. So, so Jack, I, I guess one of the things I need to point out there is, and, and when I watch every single snap Michigan State has, um, yep. or Michigan has played in the last four weeks, I noticed a trend that other than the Penn State game, their running game had some big runs that added to the yards per carry that we see. And if you take away, I think it was a 60-yard run by Blake Corum against Indiana, the rest of the game, they averaged about two yards per carry. Every single defense that knows how to two-gap, so not Manny Diaz's Penn State defense, uh, have held them in, not I wouldn't say reasonable check, because it's still a top 25 run, run offense regardless, but that Penn State game really kind of skewed the perception of just how dominant the Michigan run game is. And if you watch the first three quarters of the Indiana game in general, a lot of the Iowa game, all of the Maryland game, Michigan was basically kind of neck and neck with all of those teams. I know they opened up the Indiana game by scoring two unanswered uh, touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but these games were all pretty neck and neck for the majority of, uh, of them. And the Penn State game has given people a kind of different perspective on, on, on what Michigan is. 35%. We had Steve Grinzel on the other day, and, and he picked Michigan State to win 27-20, to 20, but I think he was just trying to be smart. But uh, when, you, when you think about that, hey, Rob, I've asked a lot of people this question this week, and the percentage range has been 1% on the low end to 28% on the high end. Now we're up to 35%, ladies and gentlemen. What percent chance do you give the Spartans of winning – in Champaign against Illinois. Uh, this is interesting because if they if they beat Michigan, then I think they will beat Illinois. But well, you're asking me before we know what happens in the Michigan game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I w- I would say that I am much less worried about in- uh, Illinois' offense, despite Chase Brown being one of the most underrated running backs in the country, in my opinion. Um, but their defense is is more scary to me than Michigan. Yeah, very good. Uh, Ryan Number Walters, one in the country, is, right? Yeah, Ryan Walters, in my opinion, is the most underrated defensive coordinator in the country. I believe he became a full time Power Five position coach, cornerbacks coach, within three years of his playing career ending in college. Um, so that's just uh, great defense, great great coordinator there. Um, I think their offense not scaring me as much as Michigan's does kind of has me thinking they they should be a more beatable team than Michigan. So I guess so I'll give me a percentage 30, number here. 30, 38%. 38%. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Penn State now. Let's say Michigan State uh, has split those four games. And they are 5-6 and six heading to Happy Valley. And Penn State has lost Ohio State. So. Uh, this is not a team playing for a championship. Right. What percent chance do you give 
Michigan State up pulling an upset there. I think if um, – so I watched the Penn State-Minnesota game in depth. Those guys, once again, while knowing that Minnesota is going to run the ball pretty much every play since Tanner Morgan was out, yeah, they basically cannot stop the run once again. I think if, if Michigan State has all their running backs healthy, um, I guess mostly Elijah and uh, Jalen Berger, and there aren't any interior offensive line injuries, especially kind of at, at left guard because you don't really have a lot of depth here. I think Michigan State can come in and probably have their best rushing performance against Penn State than they've had since the non-conference schedule. With that happening, I think Keon and Jaden Reed, the NFL players, can have enough offensive production to kind of go ahead and win that game. So I guess once again, you're going to be surprised, but I think it's a toss-up. I say 50-50 on Penn State. Not a believer. Not a believer in Penn State. Rob, uh, I want to dispel the rumor that Justin Thind will be speaking tonight at the Mel Tucker Show over at Reno's East. Uh, There's no truth to that. Uh, uh, You are the prince of positivism at this point with this team. (laughs) I, I will I will counter that by saying I don't have the same faith a lot of other people do for the Indiana game. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Indiana did give Michigan a, a game, so yeah. I guess one possession game for three quarters. Yeah, but that's here. I just okay. All right. Uh, wouldn't that be something if uh, Michigan State <laughs> beat one of those teams and then proceeded to lose? Uh, I think they'll beat Indiana, but I'm just not ready to count that as um, okay. as the same boat as Rutgers. All right. I uh, want to get into recruiting and uh, what the Wisconsin game did for Michigan State. We know that in terms of the team, it could have been, been a season saver for the reaction of the fans on homecoming and then the fact that Wisconsin played so well last week against Purdue – uh, people can't just say, well, yeah, but it was Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin looked like a pretty good team last week and two of the last three weeks. So what is the status right now of Michigan State recruiting, and how important is Saturday's game to that? They say one game doesn't make or break it with the recruit, but certainly uh, Michigan State loses 49-3. to There's going to be a much different perception than if they win 28-27. Yeah, I think when when it comes to wins and losses with recruiting, I think a lot of it is overblown, but it can help you if you win the kind of games that we're looking at here, Um, the Michigan one, maybe the Penn State one down the road. Because when you have these national audiences and kids that are far away trying to get a first impression, second impression, whatever you may have, of a program like Michigan State, it can lead them to say, oh, okay, maybe I need to go visit there, or I need to see what this is all about. Mel Tucker is now 3-0 against Michigan. I think it can help in that regard. Now, when you talk about, okay, they're 3-4 they're and four right now, are kids going to decommit because of wins and losses? I think a lot of times where it really comes into play in terms of wins and losses is if the coach might be getting fired. So, for example, Auburn, their wins and losses may actually matter. At a place like Michigan State, really what's going to happen is the kid is going gonna, is gonna to watch the game. He's going to say, oh, okay, Michigan State lost. He's going to be disappointed if, if he likes Michigan State. The next thing he's going to ask himself is, what does this mean for me? If you're a cornerback, um, what we've seen so far, Michigan State picked up a four-star from Florida – that kid is saying, oh, I can play there immediately. 
And basically the way I sum it down uh, into one sentence is, if you like the program, you will spin their losses into a positive re- like reaffirmation of your interest in terms of playing time. If you're already borderline on the program, you will use that to spin it as to say, oh, maybe there's not a lot of juice here. Basically, it comes down to what you feel of their other attributes. What do you think of their coaches, their, your relationships, their NFL factory factor, um, NIL. All these other factors really make up which way you're going to be spinning the wins and losses. If you're not going to Michigan State, then, yeah, you might put some stock in the losses. But if you're already committed there, you obviously like the relationships and all those things. And I don't see kids decommitting because of wins and losses. All right. Uh, two more questions for you, Justin. Will Michigan State land more four-star recruits in this class uh, between now and signing day than it will lose players to decommits? We know about Clay Wedden. We know about that, and there were maybe some reasons for that, uh, geography, homesickness, whatever the case may be. Uh, but there are other players that people have started to worry a little bit about I think uh, Kedrick Risano is a key recruit in this class. Uh, he's a guy who is more than just, uh, he counts one. He's, he could be a linchpin player for this program. Uh, do you think it's more likely that Michigan State will have uh, players leaving after making their pledges or that they'll be adding more players? So, if, if, so uh, Kedrick Risano decommitted a few hours ago. Um, so you're probably doing the show, and uh, yeah. So that's that's. I guess. So I guess my question to you would be: Are we including him in this hypothetical from this point forward, or not? Uh, okay, uh, let's include him. Okay, so that's minus one right there. I think Michigan State, barring any surprises, will land four-star Ashton Porter, who decommitted from Northwestern. That has us at back to zero. After that, I don't see anybody that I have any tangible intel or suspicion um, of decommitting that is currently in this okay. class um, right now at this point. Um, what is like, Risa No going to do? Is he uh, has he said he's going to go somewhere else, or he's thrown it open again, or he's just uh, not coming so, here? So, so Risa No said that Michigan State will remain one of his top choices, but my understanding on that recruitment is that. He had a big senior season, and as you know, in the free market, once you once you kind of establish a new tier of your perception, I guess, but yesterday's price is not today's price, and that is what he felt. And some programs out there kind of have a different level of valuation for certain positions. Now, if you look at the NFL, you know that running backs have become devalued. If you look at the draft, free agency, whatever you may have it, that's what you will find. If you look across college football, especially in the portal era, that basically perception has continued throughout. You look at Michigan State's third best running back this year, in my opinion, Jerick Broussard. He is a former Power 5 Conference Offensive Player of the Year. The chance that a running back that is outside of the top five in high school position rankings ever reaching that is very, very low. The hit rate numbers are not good if you run the math. However, a school like Texas A&M, who does not have a running back commit and is starting to contact uh, Kedrick Rousseau, who I believe he is taking an official visit to this weekend, have a very, very different way of doing things than the rest of football. 
And when they decide that they are going to go ahead and ignore some of those traditional ways of operating and valuing certain positions, that kind of throws off what other programs are kind of looking at and doing. Now, in terms of what Michigan State has at their disposal, I don't know if they had the ability to kind of uh, step up and chose not to. Um, or whether they just figured that the valuation isn't there. I can't speak When you to say that. step up, are you talking about uh, name, image, and likeness commitments, uh, financial involvement in a program like that? Yeah, not necessarily from the coaches, but, I, you know, like the ecosystem, yeah. the, the, the sure. usual caveats there. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so I, I can't speak to whether they simply did not have the resources or if they simply chose to not have the same view as Texas A&M. All I will say is watch closely what is happening to Texas A&M right now. Watch what happens when the transfer window opens in December, and watch what happens there the next year. And then we can look back at this, and I guess the entire approach to NIL that Texas A&M has versus pretty much every school that's not a top-five NIL program. So take out Louisville, take out Miami, take out Texas A&M, and then we will see which, which method is more sustainable. That is, that is what I will say. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.